popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. I mentioned to you, Cass, right at the very beginning how important they are. So can we give Katie a big round of applause? Um, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for uh, coming to the event today. Um, I'm taking, uh, uh, leading on from uh, the presentation from Patrick and Louise, um, I thought it would be helpful to uh, introduce UCAS and um, some of the work that we're doing behind the scenes to understand student sentiment. And we've done some work specifically for today uh, to help you understand how students are seeing and perceiving uh, sales, specifically sales as a career. So what I thought I would start with was just, well, you're probably thinking, why is UCAS here, aren't you an admissions service? And I know you will be thinking, I've came through UCAS myself, my children are currently applying through UCAS, my godson has just got a place in Bristol, and so why are UCAS here? And actually, um, what I wanted to do as part of the conversation today is actually sort of do a bit of myth, uh, bust, myth busting, get my teeth in the right way, and actually just show you um, some of the work that we do beyond just enabling uh, people to access traditional taught higher education. So here's a slide that I've grabbed from uh, a recent slide deck that we've just produced together. Um, and I think Phil mentioned this earlier in his intro, because I was here at the back just being mic'd up, but UCAS actually has every year a million new students on its databases. So we connect with practically all the school leavers across the four nations. And one way or another, whether they apply to do traditional taught undergraduate degrees, or whether they're just looking through the website to understand whether higher education is an option for them, they will leave a footprint um, with us, one with UCAS with one way or another. Um, and I think the thing there to notice also is that in terms of trust, I'm super proud of this, but in terms of trust, UCAS is as, trusted as the NHS and more trusted than the BBC. So we're a supremely trusted brand. We are a charity, um, I'm sure you probably all know that, 
And the charity is such that our, our charitable objective is to enable people to access higher education. It doesn't necessarily mean uni traditional taught full-time under, uh, undergraduate degrees. It's actually just we're out there trying to enable more people to reach that, and which is why the apprenticeships program is so close to my heart, having myself come from the northeast of England, which actually currently only has a, a ratio of 30% of school leavers go to university compared to London, which is 52% of school leavers go to university. Why is that? I cannot believe for one minute that the London kids are any more clever than those out of the northeast, but it's just the regional bias and uh, opportunity and advantage. So some of the work that we're doing at UCAS, any funding that we get, any media income that we make, it's all going back in to support, uh, you know, leveling up and, and widening access across the country. Um, so that's the key thing there. The, the second thing on, about this slide is that, that I, it's a takeaway for you who are in the business of uh, thinking about employing people and actually persuading and influencing young people about maybe your companies um, or jobs is that actually when people are making sort of big life decisions, um, they are they are 75% more likely to try new things. So what we've got with the student market, so the school leavers, is that they're 75% more likely to try new things. So if you were working for a brand, uh, new brands like, I don't know, like Dyson or Samsung, those kids are more likely to try at that stage. They're much more experimental when they're making these big life-changing choices. So this is important for those of you who are trying to recruit people into sales, because what I'm kind of saying here is that they're just more open-minded at that age of their decision. So UCAS, why are we here? Well, our overall mission is to make choices clearer. And those are choices, obviously, we're really heavily indebted into the higher education pathways route, but also um, if you were to have time to have a look at our website, you'll find that there's a whole host of information which um, we'll go through. I'm not going to today, um, but we will We go through, I'll come on to that in a minute, but we go through uh, courses, city guides, subject guides, and we also do careers profiles. And there's a whole host of information which I think you'll find interesting, even if you have got a godson or a niece or a nephew who's going to go to university or a child of your own. But not least, what I'm going to reach out to you and ask you is that if you are really going to do take some action that Patrick was asking for around encouraging more people to come into sales, then collectively, yourselves, ourselves, and the training providers can do an amazing job. But we need to work in, in collaboration to raise the profile of sales and apprenticeships as careers. Um, and we can start the journey with those, those people from a very young age. So we were connecting with school kids from the age of 11 now. Um, and the Careers Finder, I think I put a link into the deck, but the Careers Finder is very jolly. Unfortunately, it did identify that I was okay in marketing, and unfortunately, except at one point I thought I might have been a librarian. But it's very, you can maybe do and find out how many of you are actually in the right careers according to the careers profile. Um, so then just a couple of notes about, you know, how what student sentiment's doing. Well, of course, you know, one and two are, are, are suffering anxiety from post-COVID. Uh, you've got nearly 20% of them are saying that they don't really trust social media, um, which, you know, comes as no surprise, really, given everything that's been happening of late. Um, and then this last point is the one I obviously love, 
is that most students would trust UCAS with their data than their, their own high street bank. I mean, I suppose they haven't got a lot of money anyway, but the point is it's, it's one of reference, isn't it? So I've covered off a few of those points anyway, but the last one there is about UCAS, what, what are we actually doing? UCAS, because we have access to data and because we have access to the students, then we're running focus groups, we run surveys, and all the time we're pulling together and a deeper understanding around what students are thinking and doing uh, around, uh, on their journey through higher education choices. Um, and it's okay if they don't choose higher education, by the way, because actually what you might find is, and I think Louise referenced this in the apprenticeships, but actually in the apprenticeships market, the majority of people in apprentices are over 24 years old. So you've got people who maybe choose to come into education routes um, as they become, uh, as they're getting older. So we understand about the information, advice and guidance that's required and also the data and, anal and with, uh, data and analysis of those people. This is the hub I, I referred to. I just took a screen grab the other day. Um, and it says that they're unsure of what to do with your life or your next steps. Use our information on careers, apprenticeships and universities to explore what routes are available and which is the right one to you, for you. And now we've got these guides that are, that are um, actually, you know, I just had a look at Liverpool the other day. I must make a, made a mental note to go there for the weekend because it looks very, very jolly. We've got sort of very, very, very interactive, experiential bits of information on our site. And we can help you uh, if you're wanting to promote, uh, I'll come on to this in a minute, but careers on the careers quiz. As I said, it'll tell you what you want to do. But then we've got jobs and careers and employer profiles that these people can look at and uh, self-serve and start to get ideas of what they might want to be uh, when they finish their studies. Those are just some links. But I think this is also a really interesting side. Is so who is influencing these people about their career choices? And of course, we all know that friends and family, you know, you're forever saying what you're going to be when you grow up. But actually, I thought the most interesting point there was but the most popular form of influence for them is from the employers. So just around the room, by way of show of hands, how many of you are actually engaging with under 18-year-olds at the moment? <coughs> so maybe three or four out of 80. So with that in mind, I just want you to have that as a takeaway because it clearly is, you know, the, the young people are really excited uh, then it makes them much more aspirational if they've been approached by a Samsung or a Barclays or a, you know, a Robert Dias even, or, you know, Greg's, you know, bands that they see on the high street every day, Nando's, I think they particularly like. <laughs> a degree means, still remains very much part of their plan and increasingly we're starting to see a trend towards undervaluing degree apprenticeships, but again, as Louise said, there's still a load of work to be done within the secondary schools around uh, destigmatizing the, the, the apprenticeships route. You know, if, if another person says to me, and this really gets in my nerves, if another person says to me, oh, that's fine, because if they don't get into university, they can go and do a degree apprenticeship. Well, I don't know about you, but I actually I think doing a degree apprenticeship is a lot harder than doing a straight degree because you've got to earn while you learn. And it's only 20% of the time off the job. So they're still expected to do their full role as well as study. So I have to stop that in the, and nip that in the bud whenever I hear that particular point. However, currently, as we stand in 2022, there still is a prevalence for traditional degrees. But to uh, Louise's question earlier, we now are saying we now survey all the applicants for uh, undergraduate, and we found 
that over the last two years has been a 150% increase in kids who want to understand more about apprenticeships. So at the moment, at almost 75% of people who are applying for university also want to have more information about degree apprenticeships. So this is particularly now looking at sales. The blue box, I, I just need to start with that. Only one degree in the country that's got sales in it. This, my team pulled this together for me. One, Cardiff Met. Come on. We need you, you to be lobbying the universities to show that there's a demand for sales degrees. That's, I think that's just, that was my dinner party conversation last weekend. Like, did you know? Um, but the other thing that's interesting about this down here is these bars, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of researchy, but there, 180,000 students enrolled last year for a degree in business administration and management. There were nearly 25% equivalent, 46,000 also uh, enrolled in a, an apprenticeship in uh, a, a field related to business and administration. So what's interesting about that, though, is that there's only two fields there, ICT and business, which is about 25% of the total, you know, as it were, of a total undergraduate enrollments. But then you've got down here, health and medicine, just less than 10% of students applying for uh, medical or nursing apprenticeships. There's a, there's, a there's a degree apprenticeship now in to become a doctor, medical degree. That's the latest one that's been announced. Um, anyway, and... 70 apprenticeship sales rolled on find an apprenticeship service. So they're out there. We just need to encourage more people to think about pathways through. Then this slide is letting you see what degrees were the most popular degrees for students who expressed an interest in sales. I don't suppose it comes as any surprise that the service thought 40,000 were in business management. Then you've got social sciences, but I was quite impressed Oh, the design and creative and performing arts. So you wouldn't necessarily expect to have done a degree in design and creative and then moved into sales as a function. And then you've got biological and sports sciences. Funny enough, I was just talking to a chap the other day about that I was presenting here, and he said he did biology uh, in Newcastle, actually, as it happened, and he's now head of sales for Fox and London estate agents. And he'd never thought about sales, but he did a profile when he was at uni, and they said he was really good with people. So that's where he ended up. So he dropped the lab and went outside. But this is the point, isn't it? Is that why are, they, why are people not considering sales as a degree? And there you go. 4% of the people that we've surveyed have said that they might be interested in a career in sales. 10% of them, marketing, advertising, PR. They've sort of hold their shoulders much higher, higher, higher on that. And that's just really reiterating the fact that the degrees that they're most likely to do that will go into a field in sales are in business and uh, business studies, basically. So why do students interested in the sales role? So that voice number percentage who are actually saying that they're interested in sales, why do they go to university at all? Well, guess what? I mean, I just had to pull this one out. 58% of them said that they wanted a bit more money. So they wanted to earn more money in the future. So they know that sales has got some, as, as, as a lucrative career. And they're going to university to, de to develop the skills, which I thought was positive because people don't often think about going to university to develop skills. They think about it, about uh, having knowledge um, and then to get a better job and then just go to university so I can work out what I want to be when I finish. Um, but, so let's move on. 
So UCAS applicants um, were interested in the sales role were less likely, were less certain about what they wanted to do after, to do after university. So only 32% of those who went into sales said, I know exactly what I want to do, which compares to the second bullet there, which is, but of the other career areas, nearly half of them knew exactly what they wanted to do. So again, it's just, I think, showing all the time that there's this really big opportunity to super promote uh, the sales as a career. And in fact, Phil, uh, Dr. Phil was telling me just before this uh, conference started that um, Consalia have got stats that say 10% of the population have jobs in sales. It's population, wasn't it? Because I thought it was people in work. It's 5% it's of the population, actually, are in sales. It's a huge number. It's a massive number. Yeah. It's a massive yeah. number. When you look at population, how... not just working. Yeah. I mean, particularly when you're looking at how few people are actually coming through saying, I would like to have a job in sales. Um, and they all end up in sales. So what's going wrong? And, you know, what, again, I'm just going to reach out to you. What are you going to do about this? Because this, there are, you know, every company has a sales function practically one way or another, whether it's overt or covert. Anyway, um, so we're just going to look at a few questions around what do students look for? What does an ideal working day look like? And uh, what do they expect in terms of salary? I'm sure some of this, I hope none of this is a big surprise to you. But the positive corporate brand reputation, 82% of the students that we surveyed said that having, working for a good, a reputed brand was really super important. Um, this point that stood out for me was how important progression and reward on merit was. So 76% of them saying they wanted to be have a performance based on performance. And then what was the last point? 90%, 90%, nine out of 10 saying that progression was important for them. So they want to be, and, and this, this is from people who didn't necessarily consider a career in sales. Um, and then job security. And I think the job security question probably swayed a little bit at the moment because of the post pandemic and all the economic factors that we're seeing. Um, but notwithstanding that, they want a collaborative workforce, they want to play as part of a team, and they want to work in a really good culture. So our own variety, by the way, don't just give them the photocopying, but uh, just not the same job. I think that was my day, was just the photocopying. Um, and then where are they find the information from? Well, we've got a careers finder on our site, the Phil talked about that earlier. 86% um, of people are looking through that. Only 35% through LinkedIn. I'm not going to do a pitch for LinkedIn, but I thought, I thought that was quite low. Um, and then just over half from the employer's website. But the thing, the thing about the employer's website is they have to know the employers are recruiting for them to go to the employer's website. So there's a bit of piece of work to do there just to raise the profile, because actually what you find is that, particularly from the disadvantaged areas, they have no clue about who the employers are. So our job, I mean, I think UCAS's job is very much to promote the world of opportunity for these people um, and and to raise the profile of some of the employers who are looking for people like them. So salary expectations, so you've got here, the blue line is the salary expectation of graduates thinking about jobs and sales, and the red line is the profile of graduates in all other job functions. So you can see they're pretty well matched, except for at the lower end where I think they must be the people who are doing temporary type of, you know, casual work, uh, expecting a salary of less than 14,000, uh, less than 15,000, I'm sorry. 
And then I quite like the ambition of those over 40,000 years I want to win more than 40,000 when I graduate. Um, I, I quite like that. So, so I was amused at that when I saw that. Um, and then again, in the apprenticeships, there you see the salaries are much narrow band from about seven and a half K to 22, uh, which is probably in line with the others. So um, in summary, I've got a few summary slides there, but I just wanted to, oh, I'll come back to that in the very end. So in summary then, there's sort of the key takeaways there is that, you know, think about the employers as being a really important influencer for these young people. Um, the degree remains, remains a really important part of the career plan. I think uh, 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 Patrick and Louise are talking about training and degree apprenticeships. I mean, people are wanting to progress and learn. And if you can wrap it that with credit-based modules and they're happy because they've, they've got credit learning in, their, in the bag. Um, and then, you know, this thing about uh, sales across different functional areas, across different uh, types, levels is so important. Um, and then, you know, they're wanting, you know, the, it's just the salary expectation, you know, these, these people are wanting to do well. And I think that those who are interested in a career in sales, uh, you know, have got great futures ahead of them because clearly they're, they're thinking and planning and they've got this understanding of growth, progression, reward, recognition, a lot of really great values, as well as obviously they've got to have the interpersonal skills and the, and the sales skills. So, um, I just wanted to sort of more or less leave it there, except I thought I should recapitulate. I can't believe I said that word just then. Recapitulate on um, a, a point that uh, I think Patrick was making about how people say they, I think you just said we fall, we fell into sales. And that seems to be anecdotally, and I'm sure you'd all agree, how quite a few people get into that job. And I just want to leave you with some how can we um, based on the two, Louise's conversation, Patrick's conversation and mine, which is how can we change the image of sales from an earlier age all the way through? How can we fill the 50,000 vacancies that Louise mentioned at the beginning? How can we encourage more students and young people and more mature people as well to think about the skills that they bring as well as the knowledge that they need. How can you help to raise the profile of your company and within it? Finally, and obviously from me, and how can you work with UCAS to achieve all of those how cans? So um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that many of us have got some questions we'd like to put of Katie at this point. Hello, Steve from BT. Um, I suppose I've, I'm interested, I have a, a son just going through UCAS now, so it's more about the timing than anything else. With apprenticeships, early learning from employers, typically that's around about sort of the October time when it goes to market. So are we missing a trick? by pushing everything, if you like, to a certain timeline. So if the colleges are now looking at UCAS, how does that link to apprenticeships? And should we be considering apprenticeships within the colleges, the secondary schools earlier? Yeah, um, so I'm just gonna see, replay that question a little bit back. You're talking about the timing of application for sort of the bif bifurcated route, either going to traditional undergraduate taught 
in a university or thinking about applying for apprenticeships? Yeah, it just seems to be slightly out. It's almost, it's a possibility to miss an apprenticeship yeah, and put your money down, let's say, on a university route, and possibly then there's no second viewing, there's no return. Yeah, so we're at Newcastle, we're um, part of the work that we're doing currently and will be sort of emerging over the next couple of years is to encourage uh, applicants to thinking about traditional undergraduate universities to simultaneously be applying to uh, for a job as a, as a, as in an apprenticeship role. Um, currently, there are, if you look at the, the way the, the degree apprenticeships are served, um, there is more that come up through the summer, so post May June time through through the summer period. But you're right in that because they're jobs the jobs are coming up all the time. So you could end up in a situation where you have actually applied to university and started the course and see jobs coming up thereafter. Um, and that's why I think it's really important that we do more to raise the opportunities um, of what might be out there sooner with, 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 uh, with kids in school. So from, I guess, year 10, 11, 12, certainly GCSE year, 11, they should be being, being presented with opportunities around the future could be going to university or taking a degree apprenticeship. And then they would need to start looking fairly quickly into the sixth form and certainly into the upper six or year 13 now. But it, it's, it's emerging and, and, you know, we can't, I don't think any employer in the room would for one minute want to say that they've got all their jobs being advertised in one hit. Um, and many of the providers, I mean, Middlesex included, um, Middlesex is running uh, degree, a police, police constable degree apprenticeships and they'll have the, 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 the universities that they're working with uh, will, will uh, recruit three times a year onto the police constable degree apprenticeship programme. So, yeah, there isn't, there's never going to be one time. Um, but I, I just think the young people need to be looking out much earlier and we, 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 for one, will not be saying it's one thing or the other. You, you know, the young people uh, should, can be applying for both simultaneously and then making a decision there, therein. Thank you. Hi, it's uh, James from uh, Hewlett-Packard. Thanks for, thanks for the discussion there. Um, I just wondered, do you have any stats on work experience? The number of, the number of kids that are, are going through work experience and, and exposed to business-to-business -business sales in particular? Because I feel like there must be a far higher number of those sorts of people than then that then express an interest to in going into into a career. Well, um, this is a great question. The, the, stat, the stats are that if people have taken work experience either through school and or as part of their degree, they are significantly more likely to come out with a two one or a first, and they are again, you know significantly more likely to be employed by, if they're doing it through university, the employer that has provided them with the work experience. Um, in terms of uh, we're moving, if you look at the jobs board, we're looking to post now a number of work experience vacancies actually through the UCAS Careers Finder. Um, and when I looked the other week, I think we had 283 uh, vacancies just for work experience um it's uh, and my team told me i was like wow is that, is that all but it's the wrong time of year you know clearly you know a lot of that comes up for the summer um so i've set them some targets for next year so as a result i was like okay we need that zeros added on to the end 
Um, but it, it, I mean, do you know what? I think we all need to work together to, you know, if you as employers are keen to offer work experience, then, you know, can you give us those job opportunities to post? Because I absolutely, it's a great question. Yes, the students are much more likely to be successful. They're much more likely to be confident. They're much more likely to have had experience than both in the function they may do or they may decide that it's absolutely not for them. So, you were, you know, I would say, and, and that links into the whole apprenticeship route. Um, just a plug for apprenticeship. So if you have got children going through degrees, I mean, uh, I think Louise mentioned this, you know, with recession and cost of living, you know, why would you not do an earn while you learn and where, where the apprenticeships are available in a region for an employer that you're interested in? It's not for everybody. It really isn't. But, you know, I think it, we, you know, our generation tend to stigmatize degree apprenticeships because or apprenticeships because, we, you know, we haven't been brought up with them and, and we're still of that, you know, can that, you know, first in family to go to university. Whereas now I think we've just got to move on and let these people not come out with a load of debt but get out three years' worth of experience. Well, one of my favourite stories from Middlesex was um, in construction and we were, we, had, we were doing bite size. We had Robert Halfham come to visit. And so we had all these sort of apprentices come and talk, sit around the table, you know, the store, you know, you prep them before to say, don't swear, but you can say anything else. And, um, and there was this lad who'd come down from the Midlands and he was hilarious and uh, Robert Halfham was saying, you know, so tell me this degree in construction that you've been doing, how have you found it? And he said, oh, well, I loved it. You know, I hated sixth form, I hated studying. I've loved this degree apprenticeship because I've been earning money and I've been doing my studies and I'm in with these other 15 people on this cohort. And, uh, and he said, well, I've just graduated and I've saved up enough money for a house and I'm going to get engaged. And, he, and, and we're like, oh, God, and Robert Halfson, oh, yes, it's really good. And he says, and do you know the best thing? Like, is there better than all of this, I thought? The best thing is that my friend Mark has just graduated from university and he's going to be working for me. <laughs> I just love that, you know, so if it couldn't be anybody, he had no debt, and he had no debt, you know, Mark had the debt. You know, it was just hilarious. I just wanted to laugh out loud. And that's the sort of story that makes me laugh, and that's why I think it's important. But, you know, in brackets, apprenticeships aren't for everybody, but I think we need to have people reconsider them in a very serious way. And I would like you as employers, actually, you know, my ask is that we, uh, we have a really good paper. Some of my team may be able to give you the links to it, but we're just presenting a journey to a million, which is that, you know, by, the tw by 2030, there'll be over a million applicants for uh, university education. And, you know, that recession thing that's going on at the moment, universities aren't investing in expanding their sort of physical places. So, you know, if you think that there was just shy of 400,000 people placed at university this year, you're never going to get a million in in the next five or six years. Oh, are you, are you coming back with that? <laughs> Sorry, can we have the so, um, I thought we were going to have some heckling there. <laughs> it was very tempting. So, for which, very tempting to heckle. So, for which reason uh, we, need, we need more apprentice, you know, more apprentice degree apprentices in, in the market? Okay, sorry, Amanda Crawford, late chief exec of UVAC. Um, I want to contradict you because actually apprenticeships in England are for everybody. 
Um, for everybody, yes. They are, because no. they're an age-old stage. You said apprenticeships aren't for everybody, but no. actually, in terms of perception and government mm. policy, they've now been opened up into the majority of the professions, including sales. And although there may well be a perception that we've had a middle-class land grab and actually, you know, degree apprenticeships are now sort of the preserve of, the, of those kids who have and would ordinarily perhaps um, applied for a more traditional undergraduate sort of place... I think we've got to recognise that we are creating rich suppressions uh, for underrepresented, underserved groups. So they are for everybody, and I think we need to remember that. So, Mandy, thank you very much for that. I totally 100% agree with you. My point was really that some people who may be very academic may prefer a pure academic and go on to become a professor, like some esteemed colleagues in the room here at universities. But I think the, the, option, the options are there for everybody. Ivan Roach. Um... Open Data Belfast, uh, so I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, we've got the issue uh, where uh, our university places are actually capped mm-hmm. uh, because of the uh, subsistence that's given uh, to, to university places. So from the point of view of business, I suppose I'm reinforcing both points, um, is, is we're actively going out to six formers um, to encourage them into the apprenticeship programmes mm-hmm. um, so that we can actually keep them keep them at home uh, because we've been finding a huge brain drain over the last few years. Mm. So that's where we're welcoming uh, the apprenticeship programmes. Yeah, Just that's really good. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I think that's really good Good to hear. Yes, Northern uh, um, Ireland always does present another challenge. Katie, if thank any you. companies here who are looking for sales uh, <laughs> apprentices to go on, how do they, how do they connect with UCATS if they want it? help from you cats how would they do that yeah well thank you i mean that, that's a, a great question i mean just i mean just to say that um we where we do work with a number of uh companies at the moment who are looking to recruit particular type styles of graduates and we can connect we have the facility to connect through some of the marketing and sales team we have uh, basically a marketing service that will enable companies to reach out to the types of student learn, you know, post-18, post-18 graduate that they're interested in and raising awareness of their roles with. Um, We also have the facility to promote jobs, your employer profile through our websites. Um, We're looking to get more information around raising job function profiles through videos, blogs, sort of... uh, you know, stand up two minutes from employers saying what the roles are and why they're, why they're great. Uh, if you, you can connect to us through um, the website and or you can just contact me at uh, k.bell.ucas.ac.uk. Um, Phil, I'm sure, will give you the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can pass you on to the, the right person to understand how you can connect with, uh, you know, the student market uh, more effectively. Mm-hmm.